Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Before we get into our program today, I just want to say hello to a few people, a few listeners, very kind listeners, especially William Coffrin and John Coffrin, and they're from Akron, Ohio. I want to thank you, William and John, for your kindness to us here at Light of the East and for listening to us. Above all, that's the most important thing, that you listen to us. We love hearing from you. One of the best emails to contact me with would be taborlife at earthlink.net, taborlife at earthlink.net. I also want to say hello to the Stevens family, John and Jennifer Stevens. I had the honor recently of baptizing their eighth child. Yes, their eighth child, little Luke Methodius. And what's interesting about that and is very, really relevant to our program is that the Stevens family were members of Annunciation Parish, where this program comes out of. It's my parish, of course, in Homer Glen, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. They were pressures there, but they had to move to St. Louis. But I always say, once an Annunciation pressure, always. And they are proof of that, because when it came time to have their little eighth child baptized, they insisted on having it done by me, which I'm honored to have been asked but also at Annunciation Parish, where they still feel part of the parish. And that is very significant, because even though I say tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, seriously, once a parishioner, always a parishioner of Annunciation, I really mean it in a bigger way. And it's very telling when a family like that wants to come back to this church. They still hold this church as their church, as their parish, especially in these most significant moments, such as the baptism of a new child. It's very significant because it says something about the parish. It also says something about what happens at a parish, what happens in this whole phenomenon known as church and liturgy. The Sunday that I baptized little Luke Methodius Stephen was the same Sunday also that I had returned a few days earlier from a trip with our teenagers, which we call Byzantines, spelled B-Y-Z-A-N-T-E-E-N. 
S. Byzantines. Yes, that's right. You got it. Pun intended. They're Byzantine Byzantines. <laughs> we went on a Byzantine youth rally, and then afterwards we engaged in some activities along the way, like whitewater rafting. I'm still trying to learn to walk straight after all that. And also we visited the crash site of 9-11 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where we prayed the prayer of our church, a Panakita prayer. In other words, it's a funeral service prayer. We prayed for the victims. But as I returned from that, we were wearing special t-shirts that were made for our trip, and it said, Byzantines for life. Byzantines since birth, Byzantines for life, friends for life. And on the back of mine, it also said that, but also included the slogan, Da Coach. That's uh, Chicago slang for Mike Ditka. (laughs) He made that famous. He was a coach of the Bears back in the 1980s when they went to the Super Bowl. And the t-shirt was significant. And it was significant that all this was happening on the same Sunday because the teenagers that I have now, I have baptized all of them. So truly, as their t-shirt said, they are friends since birth and Byzantines forever. And they really do feel that way. So there was a convergence of a homecoming on that Sunday, when I baptized the little child of the Stevens family and also returned back to our parish, back home with our teenagers, sporting those shirts. And it was very telling because what would make teenagers feel that bond together and with their church? What would make this family feel that bond with this particular church, which they were parishioners of, but they moved far away, but still believed and felt that they were members of this church. Well, nowadays people like proof of everything, especially our young people. For some reason, they're getting it in their heads. They don't believe something unless they can prove it. And of course, there's always a question of, well, what kind of proof do you want? What do you mean by proof? But in a way, there is a proof here that there is something that happens of a mystical but very real nature, which is what mystical means. It means what is most real, something hidden and something revealed all at the same time. There is something mystical that does happen to us when we unite together and partake together of the body of Christ, in other words, the Eucharist. When we pray a certain way together, when we share afterwards the agape together, when we attend the funerals of family members together, when we grieve together, when we rejoice in the birth and baptism of a new child together. There is something that happens, something that happens from the grace of the mysteries, the holy mysteries, the sacraments, from the grace that comes from praying together, of being one together in a way that you cannot be except in church at the Eucharist. As we are one in Christ, we become one with each other, and something indelible is left in our hearts and souls. And it was proof of this on this particular Sunday when we had teenagers coming home and former parishioners coming home to what they believe is still ultimately their parish. What a testimony to the pressures of my parish, to our parish itself, but more importantly, a testimony to the reality of God's presence among us and how we help to make God present when we come together in church, in that assembly, in that gathering, which is unique and grace-filled. There is something that happens to us. This is why in the Eastern churches we speak about participation in something, entering into something, another reality, being caught up into something. 
participating and, and being transformed in something. It's a, it's a total immersion into something that transforms us, which is why in the Byzantine liturgy, one of the quintessential moments in what we might know as the Eucharistic prayer or the anaphora, as we would say in the, in the Byzantine church, the priest will pray, the Holy Spirit comes down over the gifts and changes the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, the true body and blood of Christ. But when he does so, he prays, and it's interesting to note the order. He prays the Holy Spirit will change us, and then he says, change the gifts. Isn't that interesting? The point of our being a church is not just to change bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ and to get Eucharist, you know, to get communion. Yes, that is the, very much the heart of it, but there's something else of which that is really the heart, but it's encompassing. It's, it's far more encompassing. It's to change us. Why do we have Christ there? Why do we commune with Christ? So we'll be changed. We'll be changed into these really authentic human beings. You see, at liturgy is where we are most fully and gloriously human. That's true. Because liturgy, coming together to offer back to God in praise and thanksgiving what he has done and been for us, only the human creature can do that. That's why we are a priestly creature different than all the other living things on earth. And so when we were at liturgy, and this is what is so important, and hopefully if we have especially young adults that have left the church or lukewarm about church and liturgy and so on, if they have doubts or they're apathetic or complacent or just even rebellious against it, if they could hear what I'm saying, it could be helpful because what happens at church is unique to that moment. It cannot be repeated. It cannot happen in any other way. That union with God and union with each other. If there's any doubt about that, how else would you explain that people different, coming from different places, the Stevens family, coming to have their baby baptized back at their former parish of Annunciation, the teenagers feeling so united with each other as to have a t-shirt that says, friends since birth, Byzantines and friends forever. How else can you explain that? What would cause that? That's a mystical reality, but it is real. What else could explain that except that something real happens to us, something transformative happens to us in the worship of the church, in that assembly, in that coming together and being united as one in the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in the Eucharist? It happens through all the prayer of the church. It happens through all the things that we do in church that are gatherings. When Christians gather, they enter into, in various ways and depths, the very inner life of the Trinity, which is communal in itself. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a union and communion of persons. And we stress this a lot in our dogmatic hymns in the Byzantine Church. We talk about how God is one, yet three distinct persons who are never confused, made of the same essence and substance and nature, but yet different persons, distinctly different persons who never become fused together and lose their identity, yet they are one God. This is what happens when we come together in the church. And the only way that that could happen with that depth, so as to leave an indelible mark on the souls of teenagers and families with a new baby, the only way that that happens is in the gathering of the community in prayer, especially in the Eucharist. 
I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. What is the Byzantine Catholic faith and its spirituality? Would you like to learn about the art of bringing others to Christ and learn about unlocking the mystery of the faith by taking an introduction to Eastern Christian Bible study? Your gateway to learn more about these and other topics and experience the richness of the Byzantine Church is as close as your digital device. Visit God With Us Online, which offers free live webinars. Registration is easy. All you have to do is register at easterncatholic.org forward slash events. That's easterncatholic.org forward slash events. Your Byzantine Catholic faith will grow as you experience these free live webinars, which will give you greater insights about the varied and rich aspects of the faith. Visit easterncatholic.org forward slash events. God With Us is an outreach project of the Eparchial Directors of Religious Education and the Eastern Catholic Associates and is dedicated to the catechetical renewal of Eastern Catholics in the United States in accord with the Church's call for a new evangelization. This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. I'm sharing with you today some experiences that I had as a priest recently, which are, if you want to go that route, okay, we need it. Just like Jesus rolled his eyes and says, this generation demands signs. We always demand signs and proofs. Well, I don't know how much more proof you can get that something very real and transformative happens exclusively and precisely through the gathering of the Christian community in liturgy, in the prayer of the church, especially the Eucharist. The proof of that, quote-unquote, recently, as I mentioned earlier, is the fact that the teenagers of my parish, who all entered the same baptismal waters, the same baptismal font, I baptize them all, feel a certain special affinity with one another. And a family who came to put their baby into the waters of baptism feel a special affinity to this parish. Annunciation. Something, something has to be going on that's real to make people feel that way about a church. And that is the reality of what we call the graces or the energies. In the Eastern churches, we call this the uncreated energies of God. In other words, it's that grace, that power, that energy, that light that emanates out from God's essence and touches us and transforms us does something to us, just like the rays of the sun. Whether you want to get a suntan or a sunburn, you will get that if you go out into the sun, especially on these hot summer days, even if you don't want that, because the sun is what it is. It is bright and powerful and radiates this powerful light that transforms things, starts the process of photosynthesis for plants that they could live and bear fruit changes the color of our own skin and 
actually imbues us with vitamin D. You know, that's the greatest source of vitamin D for us is the sun. Well, we can't help but be transformed by it if we don't want to be. And this is what happens in church. See, a lot of people look for a feeling. They say, well, I don't get anything out of it. I don't feel anything. Well, that's okay. You, you shouldn't. You don't have to. If you do, that's great. That's fine. But that's not the point. The point is not a feeling. The point is something is happening to you. Do you always feel your food digesting and going into every cell of your body, breaking down into different enzymes and so on? Do you feel that? No, you might feel a little bit after you've ate a lot or burping a little bit, but you don't actually feel the process, the nutritional process of your body. You don't feel that, yet you know it's happening. It's the same thing with our faith and their experience of church. Sometimes we'll feel something, sometimes not, but you can be sured that something is happening to us of a transformative nature. And the more open we are to that, the more actually, yeah, actually we will feel it. We will be transformed by it. And that is the point of liturgy, is to come to be transformed into individually into the image likeness of Christ, more and more radiant, and as a community. And when we do that, something special happens between us. Something bonds us. Something bonds us to God individually. Something bonds us as a community to God. And something bonds us together as a community. And that only happens in the liturgical worship of the church and the prayer of the church and all its forms, which comes to its fullness in the Eucharist. This is why Eucharist is the source and summit of our existence. And this is why certain questions, certain statements or attitudes really have no place in worship in the church. As I mentioned, one, wanting to get something out of it, want to feel something. You get something out of it by default, but the point of your coming It's for God to get something out of it, for God to get your thanksgiving, for God to get your heart. And everything that you feel and think and wish and hope and grieve about, you give it all to God and you raise it up into the transformative power of the liturgy. So we don't ask questions like, do we get something out of it? Don't worry about that. Worry about what you're putting into it, which should be an open heart above all. And your worship. You know, we throw ourselves into worship, especially in Eastern churches. It's, it's continuous chanting. The people really make the liturgy. That's why for me, as a Byzantine priest, I really cannot have liturgy by myself. It's possible in the Latin rite, but in the Byzantine church, we have to have at least one other person there to respond to the dialogue from the altar. They respond in a form of chant, of dogmatic hymns. And there's a back and forth rhythm that goes on between what's happening at the altar and what's happening in the rest of the church among the people. And that dynamic makes the liturgy. So the people really make the liturgy. I mean, you come there and roll up your sleeves, spiritually speaking, and you pour yourself into that liturgy. That's what the word liturgy means. It means the work of the people. And basically, to be more specific, it means a public works, public work of the people. In other words, the people in public, in together, working, doing a work. And this particular work is worship, not just work in the sense of going to work or labor, but in other words, a task that they do together in a public way. That's what liturgy means, liturgia in the Greek. It means a public task or work that is done communally and together. So we don't ask what we get out of it. We know we're going to get something anyway. We open our hearts to give 
to put into it and to be transformed. We also don't worry about time. You know, in the Byzantine liturgy, we sing over and over again to usually very solemn, rather slow melodies. The Trubic Hymn. Trubic Hymn means the hymn of the cherubim. You know, there are seraphim and cherubim and there are archangels and dominations and principalities. There's a whole hierarchy of beings in heaven. We mostly know the angels. Well, the cherubim are some of them. And during the liturgy, we take our place alongside these heavenly beings. Yes, we do. We actually do. Can you imagine? We take our place alongside them because what's happening in the liturgy on earth is being joined with the liturgy in heaven, the ongoing heavenly liturgy. Yes, another thing that happens only at the gathering of the liturgy in the Eucharist in church. And when we do that, we actually sing a hymn that says, Let us who mystically represent the cherubim and sing a thrice holy hymn to the life creating Trinity, now set aside all earthly cares. So we actually come to the liturgy and we put aside all earthly cares. Why? Because nothing matters. Because we've stepped into another reality. We're touching heaven, joining ourselves with the ranks of saints and angels in heaven in that liturgy. And then the second part of that hymn, that we may welcome the King of all, invisibly escorted by angelic hymns. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And during this time, there's a grand procession. It's called the Great Entrance. It used to start from an outer building in which the gifts would be brought by the priest and the deacon and the great entourage of servers. It was a big, big parade. They would bring that with great ceremony from the place. The, the Really, it was a side building called Scale Falakian. It was a place of preparation. Yeah, the preparation is a big deal in the Eastern churches. The preparation of the gifts is the whole rite of preparation before the liturgy itself. So we bring those gifts in procession, and at that point, usually the patriarch would enter into the liturgy. 
And so the great procession would come from that building into the church and all the way to the altar where the gifts would be placed there. And so we're, we're going to then enter into this heavenly liturgy by means of our earthly liturgy. And so that's why we sing, let us who mystically represent. In other words, we're making present the cherubim, the angels in heaven, mystically. Remember, mystically means something real. It doesn't mean just sort of symbolic, kind of unreal or ethereal and nice. No, when you use the word mystical, it means what is most real. Mystical means some other reality is being made present. And so we sing about becoming the angels, literally becoming them, taking our place right alongside of them. And then we say, we lay aside all earthly cares. In other words, nothing matters. And why? That when we welcome the king of all, invisibly escorted by angelic hymns. So we're actually welcoming, we're anticipating, we're being vigilant for the coming of Christ as we are gathered there with open hearts in the liturgy. And we sing that hymn, which, as I always say, these are dogmatic hymns. They express what's going on. They express the greater, higher reality that's happening in the liturgy. So when we're participating in the liturgy, we're entering into something that is so unique, so authentically human. Who could stay away from it once we understand what's really happening? And we may not understand intellectually everything. It's, it's too great a mystery. There's all kinds of things going on. That's another aspect of Eastern liturgy. There's, there's a lot of things going on at the same time. There's people coming in and out of the icon screen, you know, the servers, the deacons, the priests. There are preachers singing dogmatic hymns. There's people lighting candles, reverencing icons. There's all kinds of things going on. It's not cacophonous. It's all integrated. It's all part of the whole, but it's multi-layered. It's really, really an interesting mystical experience one that transforms us. And why? So that we can then go forth and transform the world. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.